Welcome to the Cooking for Chemo podcast. I'm Chef Ryan Callahan, your host. And I'm the producer, Jesse Callahan. And the purpose of this podcast is to tackle eating-related side effects of chemotherapy and discuss the practical real-world solutions to make your food taste great again. So what are we going to talk about in this episode? Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about ways to overcome chewing and swallowing challenges. Chewing and swallowing challenges. Whenever I hear the words chew and swallow, it always reminds me of the book I read when I was a little kid, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which was one of my favorite stories. And it's funny that I actually grew up to be a chef who <laughs> would discuss food and deal with whether it was cloudy and whether or not there was meatballs. So, um, okay, so chewing and swallowing related challenges really come into play with chemotherapy and especially cooking for chemo when we're thinking about head and neck cancers, right? right and right. that is really where it comes into play. There's very few, any, like, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be honest, I've been doing this for five years and I've never had anybody else come up with any other kind of cancer that said, hey, I'm having trouble chewing and swallowing. So if you don't have head and neck cancer or you're not a social worker or something that works with large groups of people, um, this probably isn't applicable to you. But to the people that this is applicable for, this is an invaluable resource. But it's always good to know some extra cooking techniques that could help in a possible future. Sure. In the possible That's theoretical future, it. in the future possibilities, right? So this has been Science Fiction Hour with Chef Ryan. <laughs> okay, so let's just dive straight in. There's not a lot to this, but okay. here's, we need to kind of paint the scenario, right? Okay. So what we're talking about here is, you know, you're having radiation treatments, you're having chemo, you know, maybe you're missing some teeth, maybe your salivary glands don't work, you know, they've been bombarding you with radiation to take care of a tumor in your jaws, in your in your mouth, in your neck, Throat, somewhere in your face, yeah. anywhere in that in that area. Well, one of the side effects is that you lose your ability to produce saliva sometimes. Those salivary glands, as they're called, they just kind of stop producing. Uh, and then also, if you don't have teeth, the whole purpose of teeth is not for smiling. Uh, although, you know, pictures would tell you differently that that's the purpose of teeth, right? It's for smiling. Well, it's not. It's for actually biting, tearing, chewing, and processing food before it goes into your body. Right. So the first thing we want to think about is let's not even go into saliva yet. Let's start with the actual teeth. We have to replace the teeth through a, it's a mechanical action, right? Chewing right. is a mechanical action. So we actually, you know, humans have developed things called technology that make certain actions that we would normally do easier. So instead of running, right, we ride a bike or we ride a motorcycle or we, you know, drive a car or we ride a horse. There are mechanical actions that we can do to re reproduce movement, but make it easier for us. So if we don't okay. have teeth, we have to reproduce what teeth do. Right. Okay, so how do we do that? And we use a wonderful thing called either a food processor or a blender, right? I've got a Ninja blender. It's got the two blades. It works like a food processor. The mechanical teeth. You got to get mechanical teeth is basically what you do. Unfortunately, it's not a big robot appendage that, uh, you know, goes into your mouth and makes you feared by your enemies, you know? <laughs> 
Um, but the truth is, is that we have to pre-process the food because that's what your teeth do, right? The front of your teeth are for slicing. You got your canines, which are for holding on to things. And then you've got your molars, which are for grinding and processing and breaking things Pulverizing down. Pulverizing your food. Pulverizing basically yeah. is what it does. It's really quite a fascinating action when you really think about it. So we can use a blender or a food processor to pre-chop up that food the way that you're teeth would do it. And of course, people think of the first thing you think about when you think of, you know, chopped up, finely ground food, you think of baby food, right? You go, oh, baby food's kind of bland, it's boring, it's gross. Well, that's what your stomach sees, basically, when you're, if you're chewing properly, you know, you're not what they call ducking it, which is like <laughs> sucking the whole hard-boiled egg down without chewing, right? It, if you're not ducking your food, you're chewing it. And that's right. what your stomach actually sees, is food like that all chopped up. Now, the beauty of it is that purees are actually a pretty well-documented uh, culinary thing that has been done for a long time. And the idea is it doesn't have to taste like baby food. You can actually make beautiful, flavorful, delicious, and interesting-looking dishes that have been gone through a puree process, right? So, for example, a perfect example of a puree that people eat on a regular basis that they don't even think about is actually salsa. Right, you go to the, you go to the Mexican restaurant. They give you this blended up tomato paste. It's watery and it's got a lot of flavor in it. It's got the lime. It's got all the other ingredients into it. If it's not chunky salsa, that's actually pureed salsa, right? That like cantina style salsa, as they'll call it. That dipping salsa is actually already a puree. So hmm. that's not that weird when you really think about it. Right. Guacamole is a puree. Okay, it's mashed up. It's mashed up avocados. Mashed potatoes are a puree as well, right? They're mashed, they're smushed. I never thought of those as purees, but yeah, because you you literally have to pulverize it, Correct. you know, like yeah. smash it, mash it, whatever, right. so to get you, it to its current state. You, you have to puree carrots before you put them into a carrot cake. Same thing with pineapple and all kinds of stuff. So we use this on a daily basis already, but in our mind, a lot of times we'll have that barrier of, oh, this isn't real food, this isn't this. But a lot of finely made foods like gazpacho, it's a puree, right? A lot of times they'll end up putting like big chunks in there for texture, but typically it was served as a puree. And actually in the early 1900s, purees were viewed as a health food goes to show you how much health food changes over time, which is like seems to be every two years or every year even. Now it does, yeah. You know, there's a new fad. Well, in the, early, health food. in the early 1900s, <laughs> there was a big health food movement. You know, a lot of people forget about that they set up these spas and these resorts in the mountains and around lakes for therapeutic purposes and they'd feed you you know, healthier foods and things like that. And so that's where uh, a lot of the Kellogg's company came from as Dr. Kellogg actually was a health food nut. And uh, he was crazy about purees and endorsed them and really believed that purees, because you didn't have to waste energy chewing, was, you know, because it was broken down already and pureed, it was a more efficient way to uh, absorb nutrients. And this theory continued on into juicing, where they'd crush and extract the juice and the theory that the juice had a higher amount of concentration of nutrients. And so it's the same idea that if you break down the food in advance, it's easier to digest. So when we're cooking for chemo though, we don't want to just take a carrot, throw it through a juicer, throw it through a, you know, a blender or something like that and blend it up, right? And just give it to somebody. Yeah, that seems we wanna, boring. We want to cook it. We want to doctor it up. We want to use adult flavors, right? It's not going to be like, you know, 
you know, Grandpa Sammy's little thing of beets, you know? So, okay, so let's just stop at the carrot thing. Sure. You're gonna throw it in a blender. Okay, so how do I not make it taste like baby food? How, how, what, what are some things that I could do to it that sure. would make it taste good, so like the, on the fly here? So the first thing we wanna do here is we wanna start with pre-cooked food. So for example, if you're making chicken and dumplings, which seems to be my go-to lately, right? You can make chicken and dumplings in a pureed form that tastes exactly like big solid chunks well, of no. chicken and dumpling. Hang on. Let okay. me finish. You make it taste exactly the same by doing this. Is What you do is you, you make the chicken and dumplings, you remove a portion of it, and you add it to your blender. A lot of times you have starch and it'll be too thick. So then you have to add a flavorful liquid to it to stretch it out. And that is how you make a puree. You add it to the blender, you run it through the blender, and then you lighten the consistency of it. I was specifically talking about carrots. Like, what are some things that we can do to season? Like, okay, you to just told me, like, sure. let's throw in some cooked carrots into a blender or, uh -huh. or whatever. What are, what are some seasonings? Because, I mean, I don't season my carrots normally. So how can I make those taste good? Like, specifically those carrots that I just pureed. Like, so, what can I add to them to make them taste good? So, in theory, they should taste good already because you've already cooked them and seasoned them in the cooking process. Okay. And then you're just taking them and blending them. That way they have an adult flavor. Now, let's say you didn't. Let's say you just... Steamed my carrots and sure. then blended them. Yeah, let's just say you yeah. literally took steamed carrots and blended them. What you do is you do the normals. You'd add a little bit of melted butter, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. Maybe if you like a little bit of cinnamon with your carrots or a little bit of honey. So you get the more like a honey glaze kind of carrot flavor with a little bit of cinnamon. But well, we're going to season good. them in an adult way. Okay. And when I say an adult way, I don't mean we're going to add rum to everything. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is, is that we're that going to. That too. Right. Yeah. Rum carrots. <laughs> rum carrots. <laughs> Grandpa Sammy sure is happy these days. It's because he's eating all the rum carrots, kids. <laughs> So that's what we're going to do, right? So we're going to blend okay. it, we're going to puree it, and we're going to season it in a normal way, right? A normal adult way. It's not bland, boring food. We're taking chicken and dumplings or pot roast or steak and potatoes, what so have you, and we're going to put it into a delivery system that's easy to digest. So it's more about seasoning it but when you're in the cooking process. That way, when you put it into the blender, it's already ready to go. Correct. Okay. And so that is how you will it'll taste and what happens is it doesn't look the same. Sometimes it looks Obvi a little yeah. funny. Obviously, right? <laughs> it looks a little weird sometimes. Okay, yeah. uh, another perfect example, by the way, of a puree that we eat on a regular basis is split pea soup. Split pea uh, soup is yeah, actually yeah. a pureed soup as well. Um, so what we're going to do here is we're going to actually take the cooked product, blend it, and season it to our preferences, right? Not okay. ours as the caregiver, like myself, but for the cancer patient, for the person who's fighting cancer for their preferences. So what we wanna do is we wanna season it like normal in the cooking process, and then we're gonna blend it afterwards, okay. if that makes sense. Yes. You're gonna have fully cooked, ready to go food before it even gets to the, to the, to the, to the blender or the food processor or what so have you. Okay. And then you can actually, depending on the amount of teeth you have left and the amount of you know, like if you have none, it's got to be fully pureed. If you got some and you can chew a little bit, we can partially puree, you know, like go back to the salsa example. We could use chunky salsa as opposed to fully blended salsa. You know, same thing with like corn so salsa can, or soup. Depending or, on severity, you can get a little bit more texture. Exactly. In or, or if you can't handle any texture, you can go to yeah. the more liquid side. So exactly. if I if I put my, my pot roast or my chicken and dumplings or my carrots in there and are still kind of chunky and I need it more drinkable mm -hmm. how do i do that so you just keep blending that sucker until it's homogenized so what we're so the next thing we need to talk about 
is how to is how to accommodate for a lack of saliva. Ah, okay. Which is the next part that we're going to talk about. So the way we do this is what your saliva does is it moisturizes your food, helps start breaking down the food. It's like a pre-processor, so to say. Kind of like, you know, like when you're paint putting primer on the wall before you paint, right? It kind of helps to get it going. So let's go back to the chicken and dumplings or the, let's do a beef stew, right? Because you can puree a beef stew. So if you puree that beef stew and it's really thick, okay? The thick beef stew needs to be stretched out. Yes, this it needs is what to be I was made, getting at. Yeah. Right, I know, but this is a different problem than the teeth. So you need to stretch it out with extra flavorful liquid. Right. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And the reason that you do that is because you never add water because water makes things bland. And that's why you would use, in the example of a beef stew, extra beef stock or beef broth. In a chicken base, you'd use chicken broth. In something that's tomato-based, extra tomato juice or extra tomatoes themselves. Um, if it's dairy-based, use dairy, so on and so forth. Like with like, as they say. And so the reason we do that is because that helps to keep the mouth moist. It helps to keep it from drying out because a lot of because saliva is what keeps your mouth moist, right? And so we want to use lots and lots of extra liquid, make it drinkable. Uh, you know, not necessarily a smoothie because it's not fruit, but we want to make sure that it's it's thin. You know, sometimes you could almost get it to the thinness of like V8 juice, you know, and you're going to hit because it's going to have a lot more liquid. You're going to drink a lot more to get the same nutrition, but you're keeping your moisture up. And of course, that is subject to your personal experience that you're going through now. So where you're at. So perfect. That's what I was getting at. Yes. Right so so remember, I'm sorry to jump ahead on you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You've heard this spiel a thousand times. So uh well people have these questions and right. you know I gotta make sure we uh, So the idea here form. is that if you don't if you don't have teeth, you need to pre-process your food with a food processor or a blender. And if you don't have saliva, you need to replace the moisture of the saliva with extra flavorful liquid. Okay. And that so makes that's sense. really the key here to inability to chew and swallow. Process your food, add extra liquid. Never water, like with like, chicken with chicken, beef with beef, pork with pork, so on and so forth. So one more thing before we go to the audience email, what are some flavor, can you give me some examples of some flavorful liquids that I would pair with certain foods? Like you know, um, like chicken and dumplings, if I needed to make it more watery, but I, I don't want to use water because mm -hmm. it's going to get rid of the flavor. So what, what could I add to the chicken and dumplings to make it more liquid? So if you want it to be thinner, right? Like right. the viscosity to be thinner. Yes. Right. A thinner viscosity is what we're talking about. Um, we would add in a chicken and dumplings or chicken noodle soup or anything that's a chicken-based soup or stew, we would add extra chicken broth or extra chicken stock. Um, the difference between stock and broth is pretty simple. Broth is the basically the runoff liquid from cooking meat. Uh, so like when you roast turkey for Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. that drippings in the pan, that's broth. Um, when you roast bones and add liquid to harvest the flavor of the bones, that is stock. Stock is typically used to make gravy. Stock is also delicious. And in the instance of the roasted turkey, uh, you could also call those drippings stock as well because there's bone uh, fragments, or not bone fragments, but there's actually bone marrow and stuff in those drippings. So in chicken, we're gonna use chicken broth or chicken stock. If we're making beef stew, pot roast, so on and so forth, we wanna use Beef consomme, beef saw, uh, beef soup. Uh, I'm sorry to trip you up here. Beef consomme, 
beef stock or beef broth, right? Okay. So if we're making, uh, I mean, something tomato-based, like like veggie soup, right? Yes, we make that yes. vegetarian veggie soup. Yes. It's a tomato-based soup. So we would either add extra tomato juice or we would actually just add more tomatoes because they would add extra liquid as well. That is So we need to examine the base of what the recipe correct. is and then pair that with the flavorful liquid. Correct. So okay. like if it's a cream-based soup like clam chowder, we want to add more milk, right? Okay. Unless you're dairy-free, and then you want to add whatever dairy substitute you're using, oat milk, soy milk, almond milk. There's too many now to keep track of. <laughs> it's just powder. I just wanted a couple powdered, examples. Right, powdered and pulverized. <laughs> They're all powdered, pulverized legumes or beans, right? <laughs> Pick your pulverized suspended bean liquid and of choice, and that's the one. Not that there's any problem with them, that's just exactly what they are, though. Okay, audience email time. Chef Ryan, because of radiation, my husband has no teeth and limited saliva production. How do you make good-tasting food for someone who has difficulty chewing and swallowing? Okay, so we, we pretty much covered this already, but I'm just going to put it into a nutshell for this person. Okay. So basically what you want to do is... Um, you're going to start with, like we always talk about with the five flavors, like what do you like? Salty, savory, spices are sweet, what aromatics are working for you, can you smell, can you not smell, right? Building that romance with food as we talk about, you know, from a distance, okay? And then what we want to do is we want to make the food that they're having success with. What tastes good, what feels good, what makes them feel happy right now, you know, not like, you know, what, uh, like a high level eat, pray, love kind of thing, but like, <laughs> I'm talking about like literally in this moment, what right. do you want, what are you craving, right? Think about that first. What are you craving? What are you having success with? Okay. Then the second thing we want to do is we want to make that thing, whether it's, whether, you know, they're saying, I want a cheeseburger. Well, you can't really eat a cheeseburger, you know, if it's pureed, because then it's a pureed cheeseburger, and we're going to add a lot of liquid, right? So, but maybe the answer there is I want something with protein or something really savory, or I'm looking for something that's got more of a grilled flavor to it. Well, that grilled flavor is going to continue through a puree, right? So if you took a piece of steak and you grilled it and you took it and you put it through a food processor, it would still taste exactly like a grilled steak. It just wouldn't feel like a grilled steak, okay? So think about those things. And so let's use the beef stew, for example. Let's say your husband's really craving some beef stew. And what we're going to do is we're going to take, make the beef stew on the stove just like normal. We're going to have him taste the broth, make sure that the broth tastes good. And if he finds that there's not enough liquid in it. We're going to add extra beef broth or extra beef stock. Um, and then what we're gonna do is transfer that into the food processor or the blender, his portion. And we're going to blend that up until it's nice and smooth and consistent and it can be drinkable uh, through a straw or drinkable through a cup. It is not the most elegant and beautiful way to make food, but it is effective nutrient delivery. I'm gonna pull a wild card question on you right now. Uh oh. Okay, so you mentioned a cheeseburger. Sure. So is there a way that we could turn, like someone is craving a cheeseburger. Yes. Like can we turn that into a soup or some kind of cheeseburger smoothie or puree? Like theoretically, could we do that? I yes. mean like say he is craving a cheeseburger, she just didn't write that, you know? Okay. Like how, would, right. how is there a way to do that? All right, this is- what? I'm sorry, this is, I'm this sorry is, to throw this Is this for the hand, lightning like, round challenge? This is the lightning round, right. like I'm so, grilling you because people have these questions. They so lightning know. round challenge, I'm craving a cheeseburger, right? Right. Let's say I'm craving a homemade, juicy, charbroiled on the back deck cheeseburger. Okay. Yes. Here's how, cheese. Here's how I'm going to make a deconstructed cheeseburger soup. Here's okay. how I'm going to do it. I'm curious. Okay, so 
here's exactly what I'd do. Here's how I'd handle this. And I'm just going to spitball this for you guys because I've never been asked this question. So please bear with me. Okay. So I'm going to make the hamburger patty and I'm going to grill it, right? Okay. I'm going to put salt, pepper, garlic in there, maybe a little Worcestershire sauce, okay? Okay. And then depending on how you like your burgers, you might add a little bit of egg as a binder, okay? Or a little powdered onion or garlic or what so have you. But then I'm going to grill that burger. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take a hamburger bun. I'm going to dice it into croutons. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to lightly butter it, salt it, and garlic and pepper it. And I'm going to, and I'm going to either dry it out in a saute pan or in my oven. Okay. That way it doesn't get too thick, but it still keeps its nice flavor, right? So we get all that extra moisture out of there. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get the burger. I'm going to put it inside because it's going to have that nice grilled flavor. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to, in a side pan, small saucepan, what I'm going to do is I'm going to saute some onions, right? So I get that nice onion flavor. I'm going to, and then some people like tomato. So I'm going to get a slice, of, a couple, a little bit of onion, a little bit of tomato and some pickle. And I'm going to saute that. Okay. okay. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to add beef broth to it. Okay. Now I'm going to add that beef broth. Now I'm not going to use American cheese because it wouldn't melt super well. So I'm going to use a different kind of cheese, maybe like Asiago or Gruyere, some Swiss cheese, uh, something in that vein. Even grated Parmesan would be fine, right? Okay. And I'm going to add that to the sauce. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the burger and the sauce that I've made and I'm going to add it to a blender and I'm going to blend that sucker, right? Because it's going to get all those flavors in there. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to add the beef broth to the amount that I need. Um, and then I'm going to add the, I'm going to add the bun as a crouton. Now, let's say you like ketchup and mustard in there, throw a little ketchup and mustard in there. I think the way it is there would taste really good and really close approximation. And I guess the broth would make the crouton soft exactly. so you could swallow that. And the reason and though. And then you get a little bit of bready exactly. texture. And that's where you're going to get that nice bready flavor, just yeah. like when you get French onion soup. So it's interesting that you went that way because I was thinking about it too while you were saying this and I, instead of making a beef broth base, I was thinking of making like a cheese soup base with the burger in it yeah. and then and then you had the idea of the croutons i didn't think of think about that for the bun but that would be good too yeah and see there's multiple solutions for the same problem but ultimately we want to keep those same adult flavors that are as close as possible to the original item uh, that way we're getting what we want and we get what tastes good i love it great ideas here happening <laughs> All right, that's all for this episode of the Cooking for Chemo podcast. Remember, you can get all of this information and more on our website, cookingforchemo.org, along with our Gourmand award-winning cookbook, Cooking for Chemo and After. I'm Jesse Callahan. And I'm Chef Ryan Callahan. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.